Welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle, and we're up to episode 30. And uh, the title of this episode is God, Romance and Crime. And uh, I'm talking today to uh, international crime and romance writer, Elizabeth Goddard. Elizabeth is the USA Today best-selling and award-winning author of more than 50 novels, including Present Danger and the Uncommon Justice series. Her books have sold over 1 million copies. She's a Carol Award winner and a Daphne du Maurier Award finalist. And now she has a new book out called Deadly Target in the Rocky Mountain Courage series from Ravel Books, part of the Baker Group. And I've read it. I couldn't put it down. And I quote from the publicity... After surviving a near-deadly boating accident and receiving news of her mother's attempted suicide, criminal psychologist Erin Larson decides it's time to reassess her life. She returns home to Montana to care for her mum and to establish her career producing a podcast on cold case files, especially, or specifically, missing persons. But Montana is not without its own dangers. And to top it all off, her ex-boyfriend and the local county detective, Nathan Campbell, needs her help. Someone shot his father for looking into something he shouldn't have. But who and why? The plot thickens and the stakes rise when the unlikely pair discover Erin's boating accident was an intentional attempt on her life. Elizabeth Goddard, welcome to the show. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a real thrill to have you. Now, it sounds as though being a podcast host and a producer of a podcast is a very dangerous thing. What? <laughs> Don't give too much away, okay? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to. Um, without giving too much away, why does Erin want to produce a podcast on cold case files? Don't give too much away. Oh, okay. This is going to be really hard because there's just so many surprises in the story. And I like to keep it that way because mm, that's the fun part of the ride. But, you know, she starts out as a psych, she's a psychologist and that's a criminal psychologist. So it all, it's all wrapped up in, in, um, you know, what's happened to her and she's trying to find answers. Why do people commit crimes? You know, and we know the answer it's sin and it's just all wrapped up in that, but why do they commit crimes? And, with the podcast, she uh, on missing persons. She's hoping to um, help people bring closure in this in searches for that. And I have to tell you that I had never actually listened to a crime podcast before. I did this write the story. I had you know I get together with different writers and we brainstorm and we toss out ideas. And one of my friends says, "I love crime podcasts. Why don't you? What about that?" And so I just started looking into it and. I, um, I was like, yeah, this can really serve my story well. And, and I started listening to the podcast and I have to tell you one particular story broke my heart and it was just, it took me days to get over it. You know, I just cried and it took me days and, but I transferred that emotion into my book. That's what we have to do for our readers. Right. Mm. Yes. And this is a book about emotion and raw emotion at all levels, isn't it? How does that operate? Well, I mean, I just have to write with my head and my heart, you know, and just be praying as I'm writing that God just shows me the, you know, what, how to connect with readers and, and to give a message that someone, you know, everyone reads a book and they get something different out of it. So, I mean, I don't know what all messages people are getting out of it, but I just write with my emotion and I hate killing people. I just wrote a blog post about that. I just hate killing people, but that's a good thing, right? Because in my story, let me clarify in my story. That's a good thing because it's painful. And so if it's painful for me as a writer, it should come across and be painful for the reader too. 
Yeah, what is the fascination with detective novels and mystery thrillers? Do you think, what is it that hooks people into them? I just, you know, that's, I actually asked my question, my, myself that question, and I love to read them myself, and, and, I, and therefore I love to write them. Um, I think it's just, we want answers, we want closure, we want to find, you know, and it's, it's a little bit of a thrill ride, it, it kind of gets your adrenaline going, and it's like, some people love to go to amusement parks and, and get on those rides, and other people like to read novels and like to explore and have an adventure from the safety of their home. <laughs> Well, this was certainly an adventure. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Do you think your faith gives you a unique perspective on evil and crime? I think it. I think it does. I think faith uh, helps us to see the broader picture of of you know gives us a moral compass for one thing. And um, when we're writing about evil, uh, I, I think too it can be hard to go in those dark places to do my re our research. You know, and but my faith. You know, I have a protection. I, I have, you know, the protection of God around my heart. And I just guard my eyes and my heart, even when I'm doing research, you know, but it just gives me a, a perspective of, oh, I don't know. I'm a writer. I can't, I can't talk, but I can write. Okay. I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say that. It's like um, a musician. You can play music, but you don't like talking about it. Oh, oh right. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Um, but I think the hardest part is really when you're trying to create the villain, you know, and you're a person of faith and how do you get into the head of an evil person and, and, and make them real, make them come to life because you've got to kind of project, feel those emotions too, <laughs> the mm. dark side. You have to reach into the dark side of that's, that's in there. I love uh, the way that God is, is calling up all of these writers to write suspense thrillers and crime novels because we can bring a, redempt, a redemptive story into the picture, you know, and maybe and shine the light into the darkness, if you will. Yes. And, and, and to what extent is this, is this a novel, indeed a novel about evil and how to overcome it? <laughs> to what extent? Is that what you're asking? Is it, um, I think that it's, it's a life spanning, it spans over a lifetime of Erin, the darkness that's been chasing her in her dreams and she can't get over it. And I like the way that we finally come to the point where she um, can get answers. You know, all the answers are coming to her. And um, in the Nathan, you know, there's the theme of there's uh, a silver lining in the, in the, you know, God brings a silver lining, meaning that there's this good, there's good. We have to look for the good in the darkness. So he's kind of there her to be her voice of reason, if you will, her voice of faith to say, we've got to look to God and look for the good. Mm. I'll come on to talk about Erin uh, and Nathan in a minute because they're, they're two fascinating characters. But this is a novel that's concerned with the past, isn't it? It's all, it's all tied up with the past. And how does the past shape the present in the book? Oh, how do I talk about that without giving it all away, right? No, don't, don't give it away. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I think a lot of my books, actually, I have a lot going on in the past. I think that it's a lot of fun to, you know, not just start with uh, a murder that's happening and, you know, it's just present day. I think that, you know, you can build so much more tension in the story and conflict when you've got multiple layers going on. And that's what I've, I've done with the story. I've just designed multiple layers and they all have to tie together. And that is the big surprise. How has Erin's past defined her, do you think? Well, it drives everything she does. You know, it just, just drives it, it's driven her career path and it's even um, driven her to move away from her mother who she loves and, and trying to get her mother to come 
live with her. And then as we see in the book that it all kind of gets pulled out from under her and she has to go back and take care of her mother. And that's where it all starts. But yeah, it's just, it's defined everything about her. Should we sometimes leave the past alone? Do you think? <laughs> Given what that's, happens? That's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you know, I, I, we're all in different places. Um, I think that we do need to let go and we do need forgiveness. We need to forgive ourselves. I think it is harder to figure, forgive ourselves than it is to forgive anyone else, honestly. But also at the same time, you know, there is a level of processing through, and that's something that we have to do with God. And then at some point, yeah, we just have to let go. And when something keeps coming back, we have to be just, you know, put it aside and, and look to the future, look to, look to now, to the present and the future, because God's given us a hope yes, in the future. It, yeah. To, to what extent is this a book about resurrection and new hope? Uh, I think the whole book is about that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard because there, people are dealing with their past to see, to at first see it. But as you get more into it, into the story, you see all the, the pieces are coming together and, and everything is unraveling at the same time. So it's just kind of a big explosion. And I hope that all my stories really are about hope and redemption. I love redemptive stories in that second chances. You know, something's been lost. It can be found. It can be brought back into the fold. And how tied up with all of this, of course, is uh, is God, and He's very present in in the book. I wonder how He's present in the book. That's it's interesting you should say that because uh, it really. It, I've heard from different readers on many of my books, and sometimes I felt like the message was I was just more there. You know, it was just like the presence of God was more there or more obvious. And a reader might say there was I didn't there was nothing spiritual in there. I didn't see, see God in that story. And then other times I feel like the message is more subtle and a reader might say, you know, Oh God was just so in that book. So it is really what the reader takes away. Um, in all my books, deadly target, just like in all my books, um, I don't really go into it with a message in mind. I like to let my spiritual message just kind of grow organically, you know, let the Holy spirit lead me. And it's just gonna, it's gonna be there very subtly and some people will pick it up, you know, and others, well, well, God's in control of the story at every yes. moment. I would have said, uh, as I read, I mean, I was fascinated by uh, by the the sovereignty of God that was worked out through all those events and, and through. Oh, the that's awesome! I love hearing mm. that. Mm. In what senses do Aaron and Nathan have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Well, they have they to do. Keep... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: they have to keep walking. That's what it says. You keep walking through the valley because that's how you get to the other side. <laughs> so that is my philosophy. You know, when I'm writing the story, they just have to keep on going. You know, they can't stop in the middle because they'll be staying in the valley. They don't keep walking. <laughs> well, literally, if they don't keep walking or moving, they're going to yeah. <laughs> in trouble, serious trouble. Believe me. What's the basis for the attraction then between Aaron and Nathan? That's a good question. I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, you know, they just, they started off when there's an attraction with people, sometimes they don't know the why, they, the why, but um, they just saw the determination, you know, Nathan um, sees the determination. And so I think for him, because he is a detective and um, he wants to try to solve who she is or help her and fix her. He wants to, um, you know, just reach out to her. And, and he knew that she was broken, that something was wrong with her years ago, but he, he wanted to love her anyway which I, I love that message, loving people, 
even in the midst of whatever is wrong with them. I mean, we can't always fix people, you know, we have to love them anyway. And then for, for Aaron, you know, he was, she loved him so much. She left him. She, he was the, the guy that, that could help her, but she just felt like she would be too much of a burden for him. So. Yeah, and what's into these characters? Cause you write characters who are, they're, they're very, they're flawed people, aren't they? Like all of us. They're flawed people. How are Aaron and Nathan flawed? And I mean that in a good way, not not a negative way. Well, Aaron, I think we've already touched on some of that, just has a lot of her past that has driven her and she kind of lets it get in the way of her relationship. She just kind of has a wall and she can't get super close to anybody and she pushes people away when they get closer to her. And Nathan, he just uh, just wants to... um, you know, please save the day. He just feels like he's let down, been let down and he's let others down. And he just wants to, he just feels insecure and in that he's a great guy and he's got everything going for him. But I think sometimes as in the real world that we have all these blessings and still we walk around feeling like we're less than. So, and his, in his uh, flaw is that he feels like he's less than and he's just trying to um, again, save the day or make things right. And this novel is set in a uh, a town, which is filled with secrets, isn't it? <laughs> to, what, to what extent are people's hometowns filled with secrets? Well, that's a. I think that every person has got secrets. So just take you know a small town of a hundred people. <laughs> there's going to be some secrets. You know, they could be you know I stole the cookies out of the cookie jar, mom, or you know something like that. Just as simple as that. Or they could be even darker. Yeah. Is there something about the small town environment that um, sets itself up for thrillers and mysteries? Well, for me, I, uh, I really love uh, stunning, amazing, beautiful settings, God's creation. That is what really inspires me. And I know I want to set a story there. So it just lends itself more to having a small town. And um, I feel like the city, there, there are great novels set in the city, and, and who knows, one day I might write a city novel, but I just, right now, I love the small town environment because, you know, I can I can just have more adventure with that. I don't know why, you know, it's like the mountain is right there, or, or some nature is right there just around the block, or whatever it is, you know, I can just set adventure there, and I just like, and I feel like readers also very much love the small town setting, so, and that's yeah. my audience. Yes, and to, to what extent is the landscape in the book a character? in the novel, the landscape well, I, of Montana. It's, it's set in Montana, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I Rocky Mountain Courage, uh, of course, is named Rocky Mountain Courage after the landscape. And I usually, most of the time, my settings will come across as a character. My A lot of my readers will, will say that it's just like it's practically alive in the, in the story, just like the, the real character, the main characters. Um, but I love the mountains, as I've already mentioned. And again, I just like to... Uh, really portray God's creation in my stories if I can. Is Big Rapids based on a real place? <laughs> no. <laughs> I am. Well, I, I lived, actually moved from a town, living near a town, Big Rapids, Michigan. And so I just kind of took that name and put it in Montana. Um, I do like to do a lot of research about the towns and the counties. And I kind of model my town and my county after real places, but I love just to have the freedom to write the people, the story, the, the street, the, the restaurants and the police department, the way I want to write them. And Big Rapids, Montana also has a backstory that runs right yes, throughout it, the whole series. 
Yes, it does. And it will continue to run and, and we will find more out in the next book. So I shall not say more. No, no, no. Don't, <laughs> I don't want you to give me, I'm trying to ask questions that are not going to give too much away to people. <laughs> How did it, what made you want to become a writer? Oh, gosh. Um, that is it's kind of a funny question. I think for a lot of writers or I don't know, maybe the majority, I really don't know. Um, I always been a reader from as, you know, from a very young age and, and even writing stories very young age. Um, so it was just kind of always in me. Um, I put that aside when I went to college, because I just thought to myself, you know, I'm not gonna can make a living as a writer. That was then I mean, I didn't have the internet to research and find out what all I could do with writing. But um, so I got my degree in computer science. So it, but the writing was always still there, always kind of, you know, something I wanted to do. So when I stayed home, after my first child, I stayed home with her. And I was like, now it's I'm going to start looking into writing. But it took me another five years or so before I decided to attend a conference. And then my first conference that I went to was really, I never looked back. I just kept going. I didn't look back. Mm. You grew up in East Texas I yes. read, and lived for a while in Oregon. How did the, those landscapes affect your or influence your writing? Well, in a, in a huge way, um, Oregon was just fantastic. It was just amazingly beautiful. The coast and I visited Crater Lake and, you know, we traveled to and hacked in the Redwoods and being from Texas, I'd always wanted to see the Redwoods, but I never dreamed that I would actually live in a town where the main highway is Redwood Highway, you know, and I could go hike in them an hour and a half drive and I could hike in them. So um, I started setting my novels in these amazing places and then we've actually moved and lived quite a few places but I, I seem to here's the funny thing is I a few years ago probably two or three I wrote a series that was set um, near Lapia Bay I think that's what it's called Washington and I did all this research well um, about three months ago we moved to part of Washington that we're an hour away from that <laughs> location in close to Olympic Olympic National Park and, which I love and I've set stories there oh my goodness and so it was like God just really blessed me to move me to live near a place that I have already written stories yeah how are your characters influenced by the landscape they live in because they are aren't they oh yeah and I love to I do love to write uh, people who are adventure you know either nature lovers adventure people you know that either hike or they ski or they they dive or you know I just like to add adventure to my romantic suspense mm. what were some of the books that influenced you and delighted you as a child and young person oh gosh I I read so many books and how can I possibly uh think of them all but I I remember reading starting out reading 2001 a space odyssey I know that's <laughs> I think I was like 10 when I read that. And then, um, but I don't know, it just like exploded my imagination. You know, it was kind of the movie, it's kind of boring, but you know, the, the book just kind of expanded my horizons, if you will. Um, and I loved reading uh, Gothic romance novels in my teen years. I'm trying to think Phyllis A. Whitney, um, Victoria Holt. And so that really started my love affair with the romantic suspense. Of course, I, my genre is a, is, different because there's a certain, you know, there's certain um, definition to a gothic romance, but it kind of started me on to the mystery suspense and the tension and the, the darkness and the creepiness. And <laughs> Okay. So. Yeah, because you don't often find, well, I've not read a lot of, of novels that have both the romance and the suspense. You tend to get, if you think of detective novels, I mean, the great, when you think of the great detectives like Sherlock Holmes and 
Poirot. Mm-hmm. There's no mm-hmm. romance there <laughs> at all. I know, I know. But romantic suspense is an extremely popular mm. um, genre. Mm. So it's mm. just really, you know, it could be romance. And then there's the subgenre of suspense. And then there's different, you know, there's some novels that have much more suspense and there's some novels that have much more romance. And I could you not, you ask it, you know, several different readers on the same book and they will disagree on that. <laughs> oh, it was such a, I love the romance or, oh, had no romance. You know, they'll just disagree on it. So I, I, I decided. Yeah, I love the way the romance was blended in with the, with the detecting, detective work and vice versa. I, I thought it was beautifully, beautifully put together. How, how, what sort of research is required in writing a novel like this? Oh, just an absolute ton of research. Mm. <laughs> I am, I'm trying to think, I, you know, I talk to the experts. I like to talk to real people as much as possible, you know, get my hands on or write about experiences, places I've been. Um, and people like, when I can't talk to people, I spend a lot of time on YouTube. You can really learn a lot. Just, you know, going to the normal Joes out there that put their YouTube, um, I did, I went hiking through the woods or whatever it is, you know, you could just listen to them talking about their, and you can get their language and you can just, you can learn so much. So it's just, you spend hours and hours and hours, you know, looking into everything. And one of the things I really, uh, dived into was criminal minds. And that was, you know, took me a little to places I, yeah, I didn't want to go, but I went there a little bit. So I have enough fodder to, to uh, talk about, write about Aaron. Yeah. Why did you want to write about a criminal psychologist? I think it was, I thought it was fascinating. I just, you know, it's like, this is intriguing. Let's, let's figure out what makes, why someone would want to be a criminal psychologist. So in doing my own research, you know, I came up with her background and the reason why she did, because for every person, it's different. And a lot of uh, people who go into, um, law enforcement or psychology, they have their, their reasons. They have, you know, it's not something you just say, oh, I want to be this one day, but there's always, there's something, you know, that you saw something happened or you experienced something and that kind of leads the way. So. And podcast hosts, you've researched them as well. Yes. I mm-hmm. Very realistic touch with, I, I had to smile as Erin was starting her recording and the, the next door <laughs> neighbor started up his lawnmower. That happens. Literally yes. does. Very realistic. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I knew that just simply from doing podcasts, you know, mm. like interviews and mm. something's happening and, mm. you know, somebody just came over here and I'm like, okay, go away. <laughs> Some, you know, interruptions. Yeah, I'm, fasc- I'm fascinated by how, and we talked about this before we started the actual recording of the interview, how on earth do crime writers and romance crime writers piece together all this information and create these fabulous plots that keep us in suspense for so long. It must take hours of your time. Do you sit down and and have a a kind of rundown? Do you work it all out and kind of create a backstory before you start? Uh, Well, I will say, first of all, that all of us are completely different in how we do our books and and add to that, that every book that I do is different. Um, I don't know why it just, you know, I, I have to work through it in a different way. Um, Just whatever gets my mind working, you know, stimulates my creativity. Um, I believe for this book, I did have giant charts on the wall, uh, you know, circles about characters and I, I figured out the everything. And then as I start to write, a lot of that stuff just goes to the side because the story and the characters come alive. And as I'm writing, I'm like, I, you know, I need the twist just kind of come into my mind. And sometimes it's not anything that I had on paper. So a lot of times I will write myself into a corner, 
But I think that's a great thing because you know what? That means that I have to figure it out. And, you know, if it's a, if something that was a surprise to me, then it's going to be a surprise to my readers, right? Okay. So the stories, <laughs> take they take over and they take you by surprise. They leave oh, yeah. You. Yeah, they do. Does that happen? So often? it must be God. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. Does that happen often in the writing process? Um, yeah, I think it happens to um, most writers. You know, I mean, there's there are some that live by their synopsis, but all of them will allow the story to direct their path. I mean, you you can't you have to because sometimes your synopsis as you get into the story doesn't work. You're like, oh, that doesn't work. You know, and you have to kind of allow the story to take detours. Whatever whatever is going to produce the best novel that's what you have to do no matter what's what you've written ahead or what you thought ahead of time so when the story writes you into a corner how do you get out of the corner well you you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how what is the best way and and I like I said I have discovered that I actually kind of like the corners because um I have to figure a way out and that way out is going to be just a complete surprise to everybody. So it just, it, it creates more conflict. Mm, it does. Well, having just finished deadly target, I can, re- where, where can, we must close this, but where can people find you on the net? Where do they go? Your they website? can find me at elizabethgoddard.com and they can go to uh, Baker publishinggroup.com to find out more about my books there too and find a um, deadly target there yes no, so. i'm sure put a, i'm going to put a link on the on okay. podcast site it will be a link direct link to your book so people can click on it and, and just go to the okay. website and buy it fantastic we should say that uh it's deadly target is published by reveal books which is part of the baker group yes and, and people can find that by going to baker www.bakerpublishing.com or they can just follow the link at the bottom of the podcast elizabeth goddard it has been fabulous talking to you thank you so much for your time well, thank you for having me i enjoyed it oh, i'm, so I'm delighted and I, let's hope we can do one on the next one fantastic i'd love to all right then thanks so much for your time We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.